You are listening to the Effective Statistician Podcast, the weekly podcast with Alexander Schacht and Benjamin Pieske designed to help you reach your potential, lead great science and serve patients without becoming overwhelmed by work. Today we are talking about the future of safety analysis, interactivity, visualizations and the FDA and interview with Wei Wang. I know Wei for quite some time uh, from my working experience at Lilly and so I'm really glad that she is part of this interview today. Also, safety is a really, really interesting topic, especially in combination with all the visualization opportunities that we have now. If you are interested in visualization, I would also strongly recommend you head over to the PSI Special Interest Group on Visualization, the VisSIG, where you will find lots of additional content on visualization. And there's also a monthly interactive challenge there that you can participate in called Wonderful Wednesday. So check out this uh, really, really nice resource as well. If you like this podcast and learn from it, tell your colleagues about it. They may learn from it as well, especially today with this safety analysis uh, topic, which really everybody can benefit from. So head over to theeffectivestatistician.com, copy the link and send it to your colleagues so that they learn about it as well. I'm producing this podcast in association with PSI, a community dedicated to leading and promoting the use of statistics within the healthcare industry for the benefit of patients. Join PSI today to further develop your statistical capabilities with access to the video-on-demand content library, where we also have all the wonderful Wednesday webinar recordings that I talked about earlier, free registration to all PSI webinars, and much, much more. Visit the PSI website at psiweb.org to learn more about PSI activities and become a PSI member today. Welcome to another episode of the Effective Statistician. And today I'm with a former colleague from mine. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you, Alex? <laughs> very, very good. So before we dive into this really, really interesting topic, because I think safety analysis, when I first entered the industry, was probably for me the most boring thing ever, because it was just the same for each of the different uh, studies. But over time, I got more and more interested in into that, especially when I was working a lot on the benefit-risk side. And there's so many interesting things also happening now with visualizations and how we can better understand all these kind of different safety signals. But before we dive into that, Wei, please introduce yourself a little bit and um, what have you been up to, to to bring you to this really, really nice place now where we speak about visualization and safety? Yeah, thank you. 
So my name is Wei Wen. Uh, I work for Eli Lilly and a company as a statistician. I've probably been in the industry for about 20 years now. Most of my time uh, is focused on safety, about 10 years uh, of my time is focused on safety. Probably in the past six years, I've been very interested in visual analytics, uh, done a lot of work, and that's probably why Alex has invited me to, to this forum to speak for these topics. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So you published recently a really, really nice article about it. And there's a lot of things going on uh, that we want to today dive a little bit deeper into this. But when you think about safety analysis, what are for you the main differences to all the efficacy analysis that we are doing? This is a big topic. So there, <laughs> there are a lot of published material that, that has been discussed, the difference between, you know, the analysis in safety and analysis in efficacy. So I, I probably won't be able to cover all of those. Um, there's probably some highlight here. So the approach for the evaluation of the safety apparently tends to be more uh, exploratory in nature. And um, to me, I, I, I feel the evaluation and interpretation of the safe data can be more challenging than efficacy. Um, this is probably because uh, efficacy usually, the primary measure for efficacy are usually uh, very, very well defined. The safety measure are often heterogeneous and encompass various different sources. What and do you mean by heterogeneous? So... You could have very different safety outcome measures, right? Not like your primary efficacy. Even if you have multiple efficacy outcomes, they're usually very well defined. Mm -hmm. Whereas in safety, uh, across different indications, across different compounds, even for the same safety outcome, you could be defined differently, right? So because so we, we you combine different uh, preferred terms, for example. Right. Not only that, but also, um, for example, in different therapeutic areas, the same safety outcome may vary a little bit how they were defined. Mm -hmm. and, and when you compare with external, uh, like, for example, Lidi drug versus, you know, another farmer's drug, they might define the same safety outcome slightly different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So okay, when you so kind of borrow information from other public, published material, you know, you, you have to be aware that their definition of safety outcome may not be the same as your definition. Mm -hmm. and, and also that safety outcome, the same safety outcome can be defined, encompass different data sources. I uh, mean, you know, you could have an adversity defined by looking at AE data as well as lab data or as well as uh, your vital sign data. You know, those kind of complexity usually involved in safety mm -hmm. that makes things more complicated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How about the populations that we are looking into? So for efficacy, that's right. I was going to bring into that. Yeah, um, yeah. So when we recruiting clinical trial, are, are when we recruiting patient, we tend to recruiting low risk population, and this low risk population is a lot of them is considered for the patient safety. We don't want to make patient, you know, recruiting patient that because. We're studying the efficacy. We want to make sure that a patient's safety is not at risk. So a lot of times our data is, is limited to the specific population we recruited in a randomized clinical trial. What are kind of 
specific populations that we usually don't have so much in clinical trials. So, so for me, you know, you see, of course, pregnant women is, is very often an exclusion or uh, very yeah, often... Sometime- a lo- another common example is, uh, you know, the the uh, liver uh, function, right? So you, mm-hmm. you don't want to have those patients who have, uh, you know, uh, already uh, some condition, hepatic condition and kidney condition, right? So these are pretty common that we exclude those patients. And for that matter, that it's hard for us to understand patients with those kind of um, pre-existing condition, what their uh, adverse men would, would be, uh, or safety profile would, would be like. Mm-hmm. I think one really good, interesting aspect is is this exploratory nature of of safety, because right, I right, always right. kind of feel it's it's kind of the other way around. Yeah, where, where for efficacy you have a fixed number of variables that you look into and this is all kind of controlled from a, a alpha spending perspective and and things like that and you right. want to prove that there is actually a difference for safety uh-huh. is basically the other way around you want to you know understand what are the safety signals and you want to make sure you don't miss anything so kind yeah. of from a test perspective it's 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 kind of the opposite and and also mm. of course multiplicity you can't say well we haven't pre-specified this adverse event so therefore um also there's a big difference we you know we ignore it it's a complete different way of thinking yeah about it, isn't it you you touch on a very important point uh, in efficacy if we don't see, quote unquote, statistically significant result, usually that's the sign that we're, we're, our trial is not successful, right? But in safety, just because we're lacking of statistical, statistical significance, it's not a proof that, that our drug is safe, right? Quote unquote yeah. safe, right? Yeah. Um, so, so there's, there, it's very difficult to say that we don't have a problem, right? And if, if you see statistical significant separation, I mean, it's proven there's a difference, but it's very difficult to say there isn't any difference, right? Yeah. yeah. I think for me in safety, it becomes much more an estimation problem rather than a hypothesis testing problem. So yeah, you want there to is describe, a, isn't it? Yeah. There is a lot of a clinical judgment in, 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 in also a sort of a, I don't know what to say, but it's, you have to have a, a way to be able to, to uh, integrate all the information that you got from the safety data to draw a conclusion, rather rely on whether my test is significant or not. Yeah. yeah. So which, which means the visual analytic and, and the visual review or the interactive visual review is becoming very uh, important to my view, to help the physician to make a, um, a scientific decision. Yeah. In terms of that, so if we talk about visualizations for, for safety and we want to understand the data, for me, that necessarily includes that we can interact with a visualization. It, it's, I think that is one of the key things probably in there that if we want to explore the data, we need to be able to interact with the visualization so that we can, you know, filter through different things that we can uh, hover over 
certain parts maybe to to understand and dig deeper into it or to sort by various aspects or regroup uh, in, into subgroups so that we can see, okay, is there, is there a safety signal always in a specific subgroup, things like that. Right. And also to be able to drill down from summary level information to, to individual patient level information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that you can see, for example, okay, this patient had this serious adverse event. Did he was he on any you know co-medication? Did he have any pre-existing conditions that is related to that? All these kind of different things. So it's it's much more kind of understanding individual patients as well compared to only looking at you know population statistics like proportions and means and and things like that. Yeah. yeah, and and in safety areas, sometimes it's dangerous to look at group average, because um, you would be missing out um, some of the extreme values. And different from efficacy, sometimes our extreme values are of interest. I mean, um, there could be a subgroup of people that we we didn't predefine that they somehow have a, a a different risk profile compared with the other the rest of the population. That's important for us to identify in the safety area. Yeah, I think that's another interesting topic. Whereas in from a f- efficacy point of view, it's always kind of challenging to say, okay we carve out a specific population that, you know, with all lots of lots of post-hoc analysis, that carries all the benefit, yeah? And and very often in any follow-up study, we see that hmm, we probably overestimated that. In safety, it's a little bit the other way around. If you can narrow down kind of uh, your your safety signal, you can, you can see l- most of the safety is in let's say, patients that are over of certain thresholds in terms of age and maybe with certain uh, pre-existing conditions. Mm-hmm. That's quite helpful to know because then you can ex- maybe exclude them from the label or add certain warnings or, or things like that and later on do additional studies to, to better understand the safety signals there. Yeah, um, although you could argue that some of the extreme value may just came in uh, at random but yeah. we don't want to miss those if those are the case. So that's that's another different nature that safety have is, is the goal of safety is to capture any of the safety risk, not necessarily confirmative risk, but, but we don't want to miss anything. Yeah. So one of the really interesting things also with safety is um, that we somehow document um, what we are all looking into so that we if we just have tables yes static tables it's pretty clear okay we have looked at all these numbers that's documented signed off job done if we have a interactive visualization with where we can have lots of selections and subgrouping and sorting and filtering and all these kind of different things how can we document what we actually have looked it into? Right. So I guess the solution would be different depends on your software. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe, you know, there might be different options uh, in other software, but because we are mostly using Spotify, so I'm going to provide some example that how we mm-hmm. do this in the Spotify setup. 
Um, so yeah. this might be able to help other software users to come up with their own decision. So this buffer has something called bookmarking feature. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I think most people have using bookmark in your other browser, like uh, you know, uh, Google Chrome, Internet Explorer, right? So the bookmarking in is, is working similarly in Spotify, like those uh, web web page. The bookmark feature, what it does is save a snapshot of the state of analysis, mm-hmm. which means that when you add a bookmark. Uh, basically, you can return to the stage where you find something interesting. Uh, either you filter out something or mark something, and the bookmark will bring you back to when you find something interesting. And this bookmark can be also saved. Okay, with so the you document. can. So you basically can create a document where you have an overview of all the different bookmarks you have, with the combining kind of results from it. Yeah, so, so that you can see, okay, bookmark set, and we have seen from there that there's no safety risk for this endpoint or this, these subgroups. And right, set, so, so, so in this bookmark, you can trace what you have say, what, what, what you have filtered, and what, yeah. what you have seen before. And, and the, the good thing about this bookmarking is uh, book farm, bookmark, they also provide a, a URL to the bookmark. Mm-hmm. So when you write a, 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 a say a word document, you can reference those bookmark, or you can even within the packet itself, you can have a page that has a, a summary page that write about you know I've observed this and this in this bookmark and and these patients having such and such, and therefore I consider they might be of interesting for us to consider they're at risk of you know something. Can you also kind of download the the visual, see the graphic? In, you can export stage? the visuals and the tables in the Spuffer environment. Mm. Okay. Uh, there are some limitations um, uh, because it's interactive, right? So, so when you export for visual, for table is probably easier, but for graphic or for figure, you know, the interactive versus real world, there's there's still something to jump on. Because in the yeah. in the static world, you have a, a page limitation. So I cannot sometimes fit all the information in, in the page. Whereas in I the know. interactive world, you can fit everything in one page because you can you can zoom in and out and you can scroll yeah. up and down, right? Yeah. So yeah. in that case, your exported static output will have the limitation because you can't f- fitting everything and the package itself, I mean, the software itself does not provide a way for you to do, okay, I'm going to take a page break here, right? Because <laughs> there's yeah. too complicated in the setting how you do the key page break, right? I don't believe yeah. there's any software right now are able to allow an interactive display export and will have the, at the same time, have the proper page breaking and formatting set up. Yeah, I think then we would need to get to something that is more kind of a HTML files or something like that's this right, in, that's in, right, in that's the right. future where, where you basically have, have your document not as a, you know, or standard PDF documents or Word documents, but, but it's more kind of a, something like a blog post or something like this where, where you can basically, you know, move forward and backwards between your dashboard and your, or, or your visualizations and, and your text. 
And there's also I want I don't want to miss the point about the traceability. There's also mm-hmm. um, another very important uh, feature that Spotfire offer is for you to be able to do IAM Python. Use IAM Python is is one of the extension that Spotfire allow users to do. Along with that, you can do HTML, you can do JavaScript,、um, you can also do R, right? So with IAM Python,、uh, we actually build in one of the function in some of our package. Uh, which users can trace what subject they have already reviewed.、Um, oh, okay. So in our display, if if say for example you are looking at patient level information, say graphic patient profile, once a physician finishes with one subject that they review, they click a button, and that subject ID will be automatically add to a, a a list, and that、oh, list、okay. will be saved. So in so that case, the users can trace what subject they have already reviewed. So that's really really nice for a study level、right. safety reviews and and especially if you have phase one studies and and things like that.、That's, and they can even、great. write a comments and have the comments also saved、uh, with, along with that patient ID.、Mm. So if you if you speak about these patient profiles, what would be included in in that? Um, that's very how to say. It depends on how you design them. It's very flexible.、Mm-hmm. We have created patient profile that、uh, that contain some of the routine safety information. For example, the exposure over time, the adverse event over time, concurrent medication over time, lab over time, vital sign over time. But you can also add additional information. For example, you can add、uh, some specific measures.、Um, I don't know whether you're you're familiar with the Klumbier suicide scales. Yeah, yeah. And there's also、uh, a way for you to put in efficacy over time as well. So it depends on your your interest. You can put various different data、uh, domain in in the patient profile. So in a patient profile, I I would imagine you would have. A couple of line graphs, basically,、uh, that show kind of okay. Here, these are the different AEs with the different start and stop dates.、Uh, the different severity could be highlighted in different colors, maybe, and you、right. would have, you know, the dosing、uh, displayed in in kind of dots for the different、uh, when when the when doses were given or when this、right. know, depending on.、Uh, How, what kind of drug, and how it's administered? You can have that as well as yeah, lines for efficacy or vital signs,、um, all these kind of different things, so that you have basically a quick overview across all the different safety and and possibly also efficacy parameters over time,、right. and you can directly see. Okay, he first got that adverse event, then he got、uh-huh. this. Compounded medications that led to this event to stop, but the next event started then, and then he got another concomitant medication that then discontinued or something like this. So, so right, can, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's graphical display of various different data domain, and then、mm-hmm. they're all aligned on the same time scale,、uh, mm-hmm. like you mentioned that, so that it,、uh, reviewers can easily trace、uh, within a time sequence on different. You know, efficacy measures or safety measures.、Mm-hmm. For safety, for example, they can easily trace if an AE is,、uh, is likely to be caused by maybe a concurrent medication or maybe caused by your drug. You know, some of those kind of review can be helpful to to have、uh, the the measures to put into a, on the same time scale. When you develop these interactive tools. 
what are your experiences with that? Is that something that you do in, let's say, four weeks, or how long does it take to, to develop such an interactive safety dashboard? Depends on how complicated you want your uh, visual uh, package to to be. We have some of the the simpler uh, visualization that we only provide graphic patient profile and some of the patient level listing and physician can choose what they want to look at in the listing and to choose or to choose uh, what. Uh, which patient they want to look at as regarding the graphic patient profile. That only takes about a day or two to put together. In Spotfire? Yes. In Spotfire. Uh, whereas, yeah, in Spotfire. And whereas there's some other more complicated uh, package that we created for submission purpose, we have uh, pretty much did all the routine safety review as well as the, the, uh, the AESI topics. And that has not only covered most of the, the, routine, the routine safety review, but also some of the, the more complicated, sophisticated analysis, such as logistic regression, uh, some of the Kupnemeyer survival analysis. Mm-hmm. And basically what that package was done was to allow the physician to review all the safety information they want to look at without okay. the need to go outside to, to, to drag information. I think that package took us about three months, two okay. months to, to put together, uh, along with the validation. Okay, so, so that's, that's quite a good range in terms of the, the easiest thing get done in a day and the most complex to get done in, in three to four months. That's, that right, right. The, the three to four months, uh, that also include, that's not just the visual side, that also include us to have to learn to understand the database, you know, how the database, what variable mm-hmm. to use, how you define certain outcome of interest, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, so given that, if you, if you have done that, I mean, the visual side, it doesn't take that long. In terms of, if we think about this more kind of really complex uh, approach, how did you get that started? You know, how does the first step look like? Do you look at your the database and think about all the different visualizations you can come up with? Or do you start with uh, talking to the physician to, to understand what he wants to, what he wants to have? How is that, how is that progressing? I think the clinical need comes first. Okay. So, so it's, it's to address what clinical needs are uh, at first step. So you want to first understand exactly kind of, okay, for this compound, we are specifically concerned about these AEs, these lab values, these communicate, concomitant medications and, and things like that, yeah? Uh, right now, the way we work is, is as needed purpose. Mm-hmm. I can see different companies may take a different approach. Uh, some company, if they, they want to do a mass rollout of interactive visualization, they may have a certain, you know, I mean, we were partially doing that too. They may have a certain template already built mm-hmm. and say, okay, just, just use this because, you know, a lot of the safety needs are very similar, even though the way you define the outcome may be different, but 
how we de- design to uh, for the routine analysis, how we design to or what kind of interest we have on AE data, what kind of interest we have usually on lab data are mm-hmm. similar. So the visualization can be choosing similarly. You may have some little modification here and there. So having mm-hmm. a template pre pre-built and you can start with the template and show physician and say, okay, here are what we have. Do you think it will cover your clinical need? That can mm. be helpful when you discuss the clinical need with the physician. Okay. So we can take a, we kind of take a combined uh, approach. We have some template, but we're not saying that use this as it is. We, we show the physician something and they will, you know, all of a sudden they, as once they see your template, they, they will have all kind of idea and say, okay, you know, what if I need to do this? You know, can I, or can I change this to a different display? Um, that helps us to to come up with ideas uh, for some new packages. Yeah, I think that's a really, really important point because very often our business partners don't have even the imagination what they could ask for. And, and, and a lot of them are not familiar with interactive visualization. They don't know what it's capable of. Yeah, yeah. And if you then show them kind of, oh, Look, if I sort these kind of variables or these kind of patients, for example, by that, then you directly see here are all the kind of really severe cases or here are all the patients that, that have this outcome. And because they're so much used to looking at static things, it's, it's really, I think it's really, really difficult at, at the beginning. But I think once they get more used to it, they understand, oh, I could ask for this and that is another opportunity. And and um, you basically, it it's probably takes a lot of kind of iterations to get to something that, that's completely stable, isn't it? Right, right. That's the that's the benefit. Of, I, I don't think it's a disadvantage. Some people may not like it because in the old world, what we do is we provide a physician with some kind of a static report. Mm. I think... We may have to change them, uh, but the chance we change them is not that high. I mean, the probability we change them, right? usually they take what we give to them and they may mm-hmm. ask for additional one. Um, but in an in interactive uh, situation, we we're seeing that the, the statistician, the, the programmer, as well as the physician um, need to work more closely. Mm-hmm. Um, we usually would like to have the kind of situation is we propose some displays and we show them what we have, explain to them, you know, well, usually they, at the beginning, they need to be a little bit uh, educated to, to know uh, like how to navigate to find some information and what each display told them. Cause uh, this is the other thing that, that I find that missing from a lot of these training and education is, is the interpretation of graphic display. I mean, okay. there, there's sometimes a lot of the, the education needed to, to explain to the physician how to read a box plot, how to read a scatter plot, how to read a bar chart. You may think that those are very simple displays, but um, uh, very often I've seen them, you know, not even look at X axis and Y axis, right? So, so you have to, there, there are some education that, that you need to, to, um, to do uh, to, to get physician up to speed. It's it's probably good not to just kind of send the link to here's the template, have a look at it, and let me know what you think. But but right. rather set up a meeting 
walks the physician through the different uh, right. displays, the different functionalities, explain, here's what you see here. This is the display where you can answer these kind of questions right. the best. This is the display where you can ask these questions best. And so really to have a basically a training on the, on, on the visualization so that right. people can understand it, yeah. And when you explain to them that, you know, how to interpret uh, what, how, where to find what information, that's usually where, when they start to say, okay, what if I want to find these, how I find this? And then, then you would realize maybe you haven't got answer and you, mm -hmm. you need to change your visualization. So that's, that's usually what I see happens. A lot of times with experience, you learn certain clinical question of interest. So um, in, in my case, because probably because I've been working in the safety for quite a bit, um, usually 80% of the question you already got answer in your you know, first draft. Mm -hmm. And then they just don't know how to get to it. But then there are probably 20% of the cases that, that you haven't thought about and you can kind of tweak the visual a little bit or choose different displays to help them to understand or to find answers. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, in terms of the specifications of your uh, interactive visualization, they, they become very much kind of a living document that is constantly updated as, as you're using the tool. Um, no, uh, so as, or we, as you're we, developing the tool, the tool yeah. I, I so, what, yeah. So what we have is we we we're doing tools uh, by project. Mm -hmm. So, for example, for uh, a drug A, if, say for example, I'm doing a submission package for for drug A. What happened is it's going to be a a, a living document, and we're open to change up to the point that we're ready to say, this is the final document the physician is gonna use for their submission work. And, you know, data have been logged and everything is, is ready, you know, that they're ready to code the numbers or, or even export the tables from the visualization to their submission document. And, and before that, we would do all the validation and quality control of the package, make sure everything is, is properly reviewed and, and valid. Um, and we're going to lock down the document okay. okay. and say no more change. That's it. So, so that document will be saved as a, as a sourcing document for, for your uh, submission material. Mm -hmm. Let's change a little bit gear. And, and as you talk about submission so much, is what is or how can we give regulators like the FDA actually access to these tools so that we don't send them thousands of thousands of tables uh, which i think is is quite an outdated approach and and kind of just having the innovations that we don't send a truck to the fda but but we you know let them download gigabytes of tables <laughs> from some home page yeah. um so, so how can we do you know give access to interactive tools to them this is a very good question. I've been asked this question. I mean, I myself asked this question when I first started with visual, interactive visual, and, and many people ask the same question, uh, is to be able to share our tools with regulator. Uh, as, as I mentioned, there, we have created some very nice interactive tool for, for internal review purposes, and we see a lot of benefit. Uh, and we think you know, if we can share those package with the regulator, that's going to be improve the communication between the industry 
and regulator, you know, there's going to, you know, improve their efficiency uh, in review of our data too. But right now, honestly, we're facing a lot of challenge uh, to share internal uh, built package, interactive package with this regulator. Mm-hmm. And we haven't been able to make that happen. There are some effort um, that that trying to share information broadly, not just with regulator, but but externally, right? In general, I'm going to touch upon some of the the effort that 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 I'm yeah. aware I'm aware of later. But right now, I want to focus on the challenge because people would ask why why can't we, right? So some of the I mean I can't cover every challenge, but I can bring some ideas uh, so people realize uh, some of the challenges at least uh, that we're facing right now. Um, so imagine that uh, we are using uh, Spotfire, but another company may use, say, Shiny. Uh, another company may use the Tableau package, right? So there are, there are various different software for interactive display purpose. And usually the, this interactive uh, visualization package is running on a company server. So, yeah. for example, we have our Spotfire server. Uh, Shiny have we, we also internally, we also have a Shiny server. So, say, for example, you're using Shiny server or you're using Spotfire server. They're all located on a company server, right? So, if the FDA want to access um, these interactive visualization, they have to access a company server. Sometimes there might be some confidentiality, you know, concern, but usually a company, I believe, uh, we can work out a solution to give regulator access to a server. Let's say we can set up a specific server for regulator access, but regulator usually would have concern to use uh, the data hosted by a sponsor. So essentially, sponsor is hosting that data in our server. FDA would have concern. For example, they would say, okay, how long are you going to have that data available for us? You know, what if you want to do something? Are you, can you guarantee yeah. that, you know, it's, it's, it's dangerous? I can see why it's dangerous for them to rely on the sponsor to say, okay, I'm in control of the data, right? So it's usually they would like to have, you know, the, the mm-hmm. data hosted or the display hosted on their server, right? So alternatively, there's other alternatives. People would say, why don't you just send them the, the Spotfire file, just send them, right? I mean, we can do that. We can send the whole package to them as a file to FDA and say, we're using this package in the review. But this means that FDA or other, other regulator, they have to purchase the software mm-hmm. license and then install in their, the software in their system. And also they have to have their own expertise in this visualization software, right? So a regulator have learned different kind of platform. It's really a huge burden for them. Mm-hmm. So, so at least, I mean, I, I, I've touched too, but there's some, some other limitation as well. Yeah. I, right now, there's not a unified approach in industry as to what software to use for interactive visualization. And I don't think it's fair because I've tried different, uh, I've tried Shiny, I've tried Tableau, I've tried Power BI, I've tried Spuffer. They all have their different strengths and weakness. Depends on each company's need. You may pick different ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can, I can see that. Um, yeah, there, there. I do want to mention there's two initiatives that that there are people working on um, to try to solve this problem. Uh, for example, DIAASA Biopharmaceutical Safety Evaluation Working Group. 
they have um, developed a series of uh, interactive safety graphic tools and, and made it available. Um, I think they have some GitHub uh, hosted the, the code behind these, these uh, interactive display tools. And yeah, and by the way, we'll put a lot of the links and, and uh, references in, in the show notes. So just go to theeffectivedecision.com, search for the episode with Wei Wang, and then, then you will see all the references there. Yeah, and, and the, that in my paper also have uh, in the reference, uh, reference to their work and their, the website that they have those open source uh, application available. Uh, and recently, uh, there's a Fuse project that they have done a pilot. This is probably touch upon that you, Alex, you mentioned before. Um, mm. There to so what what this pilot did is they share a standalone HTML inter, interactive display in a in a submission. So what they did is they have their submission document have a hyperlink to this HTML files, and the HTML file will will be sended to to FDA. So where it's the, basically the, everything in a container packaged. Yes, and yes. it's just you just need a browser to basically open it. Right, right. So, so what they did is they can just well, once the the reviewer look at this HTML file, they can just hover over any of the data point and then see the the pop up show up. Yeah. And yeah. they can there's also drop down for them to to choose um, so that the display will be updated based on the drop down. But I want to mention because. We're not, we didn't solve all this problem. There's limitation um, to, to these solutions. For example, yeah. in the pilot I, I'm talking about, there, there are only one display. They don't have like uh, a full uh, interactive package that, that we've in, used internally. You have covered multiple data domains, cover all the safety review needs, right? So have a lot of very powerful interactivities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think the if you have Spotfire or any of these tools, lots of the app is is pre-built, and you right. just kind of uh, pull things together. And of right. course, you can use templates and and lots of these things. Whereas if you more or less need to start from scratch and program everything in HTML, that's quite a lot of effort. Yeah, yeah, it, it's taking a huge amount of effort and maintenance of those. Um, it, it's it's going to be very challenging because it's not that you, you don't need to touch them. You build one package, you have to change them uh, based on your your review need and based on your compound need. Okay, thanks so much. That was a really really good discussion um, and where we touched on you know what are the differences in terms of efficacy and and safety. We touched about validation and and traceability. We also talked a lot about what are the benefits of interactive uh, visualizations, especially for safety and how we can get to something. And lastly, a couple of interesting uh, initiatives that help us to make that more accessible for, for regulators uh, as well. Is there any uh, kind of final recommendation that you have for, for the listener? I think you're probably going to put a link. There's a lot more discussion in the paper that you mentioned, the Farm Report uh, 2020 yeah. winter issue. I believe I it's put... open to public. Everybody should be able to access. I also have a recent publication in the Statistics in Biopharmaceutical Research, 2020, Volume 00. And there's a, a paper on 
uh, on a similar topic uh, with uh, a more focus on safety uh, review approach, the methodology, and uh, the, there's a lot of example displays on how we build a certain package. Okay, we'll put all of these links in, in the show notes. So thanks so much for the interview. It was great to touch base with, with uh, you. It uh, reminds me of my time at Lily as well. Thanks so much. You're very welcome. And thank you for the opportunity to speak here. This show was created in association with PSI. Thanks to Rain, who helps with the show in the background. And thank you for listening. Please visit theeffectivestatistician.com to find the show notes. And you can directly use that link and send it to your colleagues. And there you will also learn much more about this podcast to boost your career as a statistician in the health sector. Like always, reach your potential, lead great science, and serve patients. Just be an effective statistician. Mm -hmm.